time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome in. Live and local. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, A, C, B. You know, it's one of those days where you come in and you feel like it's no pressure. Nothing going on. A little baseball. Uh, Certainly have some topics to hit you with today on the official national holiday. And then you wake up, Maddie, and you hear the tragic news of Blue Jackets goalie Matisse Kavlenix. And you just can't believe it. And when you see a kid 24 years of age and he's gone with his, with everything out there for him was going to spend the summer here in Columbus had just done a ride along up at mid Ohio and was experiencing everything that the summer had to offer. And the blue jackets confirming that this morning, um, that he suffered an apparent head injury after a fall. The, the details are a little bit sketchy, but just to give them to you real fast, what we, what we're reading, I, I shouldn't say what we know, what we're reading is that he was in Michigan and he was reportedly in a hot tub with others and there was some sort of fireworks malfunction where I'm going to just assume people had to flee the hot tub like something was being launched and either got redirected and... When he was racing to get out of the hot tub or attempting to jump out, slipped and hit his head on the concrete. And it is beyond tragic. Um, He was pronounced dead on the scene after medical personnel arrived. And he had just been amazing at the Worlds. Um, Started a couple games here for CBUS. And I remember his NHL debut when he went to Madison Square Garden and he got to skate out at MSG and the team didn't follow him. (laughs) They wanted him to have that warm-up lap on his own for his NHL debut. Winds up stopping 31 of 32. Borky scores in the final 30 seconds (laughs) to win the game 2-1. They give him the Kepi and he was... Just full of life and just so excited to be in the NHL and competing probably for a backup spot here in Columbus. And certainly you don't know what he had in store for him. He was starting to improve and play really well. And you never know in this world what might have happened. He could have been a starting netminder in the NHL. Undrafted and just uh, your heart goes out to the entire organization, his family and friends today. No question. Uh, just just tragic. Just awful. Uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw it come across my phone. Just obviously, man, we never want to see anything even remotely close to this. And just this is obviously worst case scenario. And, you know, we've heard stories on the 4th of July to where you have fireworks and all of that stuff. And there's been injuries and things like that that you can go check out on a day like yesterday. But yeah, you're just hard to just ripped ripped apart when you, you know, you hear a story like that because my mind goes to what you mentioned there at the end is his loved ones, his family, his friends, his teammates and everyone just around the organization that knows him and knows what he's all about and 
the type of guy he was. You just absolutely feel for everyone there. So just, uh, yeah, man, you're kind of at a loss for words when you hear something like this. And then when you hear how young he was, and like you said, just had so much life to live and so much more to give to, you know, not only the hockey world, but I'm sure off the, the ice as well to the people that he directly impacted on a daily basis and had a strong relationship with as well. So just thoughts and prayers just go out to everyone that feels the sting of this, maybe a little bit more than we will on a personal level. Obviously for us, we feel it because, you know, we're the home of the Blue Jackets. We talk a ton of Blue Jackets here on our show and here on the station. And um, yeah, it's just uh, can't really wrap your mind around something like this, but it just takes me back to just always being in the moment, right? Just always letting the people around you know how much you love and care for them because we hear it all the time. You know, you, you just never know in life. And this is just unfortunately another one of those wake up calls to where you just never know. So again, thoughts and prayers go out to his family, the Blue Jackets organization and, and everyone are wrapped around this right now. Yeah, no, you said it right. There's nothing else to say. When I first heard it, I thought, okay, tragic fireworks accident. Now you hear it's a little bit different. There's a nuance to it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the fireworks weren't involved. It just means that there was uh, something that that no one could predict. And instincts take over, Mm -hmm. and something happens, and you have to move. And if he was obviously in a hot tub and barefoot, then he slipped and, and, you know, you just, you, there's nothing to say. Yeah. He was, you know, it really, I really uh, started to wake up to the talent that he was uh, in late May when he was, you know, the goalie for Latvia, his home country, and he wound up shutting out Canada. And it was like one of those where it hit like really like almost worldwide news that Latvia beat Canada for the first time yeah. in forever. And that was a big deal. And the fact that everyone's like, who is Matisse Kivlenix? Who just shut out Canada? Yeah. And it was like, well, he plays for the Blue Jackets. And it was it was pretty exciting to be able to tell my friends and people that, that wrote me, that used to text me, that texted me from Chicago, like, who is this kid? Wait <laughs> yeah. a minute. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's coming on a little bit. Yeah. And so that's kind of the... Uh, just the sadness of it all. So we start with, as you say, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Blue Jackets and Matisse Kivlenix and his family and friends who cared so much about him. So it's somber day today for sure. Yep. Uh, we will attack the sports news with you today and try to uh, give you some feeling of sports today. We've got uh, some good news, really good news on the Buckeye front that we will get to basketball and football-wise uh, Bill Green will join us from Buckeye Scoop at 12.33 and give you the latest on the monster boom that came to Columbus, which wasn't completely unpredicted, but until it happens, it seemed like it was down to a, a geographical school and then certainly Columbus with JTT, so we'll get to that. We'll do some comeback players in the NFL on whether we feel they have them ranked correctly. Uh, we will do some basketball talk, Ohio State hoops with Pat Murphy at 2.33. Uh, how was your relaxing weekend? It was good. Mm-hmm. You know, J. Lou and I held it down on Friday. Missed you out there on Friday. Hope you had a good day off. But the weekend was nice and simple for me, man. Really simple. Yesterday, did fire up the grill. 
Smash some hot dogs is always tremendous. Have a nice little cucumber salad fired up for you. Mm-hmm. You might like this little cucumbers, little feta cheese, peppers, little light dressings. Pretty healthy mm-hmm. for you. Maybe you will like that. But no, I was just laying low. I would have liked that. Uh, You're right. Y- yesterday, maybe I can bring some of that in for yeah. you tomorrow. I can make I can make that happen yeah. for you tomorrow. But I was just chilling, man. Watching baseball throughout the day. Uh, watching some TV shows. It was just a nice and relaxed weekend for me. You know me, man. That's how I like it. Nice. I didn't. I did not have my normal Fourth of July no? fair. No, I, okay. I don't know what's going on with me lately. I just, I, I'm not eating a lot in the morning. Like I went out and played golf yesterday and got up, and I'm like, eh, I'm not really that hungry right now. I'll go play nine holes, and then oh. I get there, and I'm like, starving, and I'm starting to hungry. So I, I don't know. I left there and left the turtle, got a smoothie, then then I came home and just crashed, and I killed a complete box of graham crackers. I don't know what it is with the graham crackers these days. I, I kind of like them, and I got yeah. the ones that are kind of cinnamon dusty. Mm. And you know they come in a, they come in three sleeves in the box, yeah, man. and I think there might be what six or seven yeah. per sleeve. Cleaned them all is out. Is that huh? right? Cleaned them out. Huh? I don't see. I don't know the capacity of a graham cracker box. I should know this. I haven't had is them it, in is, a while. You think it's seven, seven, and seven? You think Maybe it's a, a twenty-one point that. spread in there? I think we may get you to thirty. Ten you know? a pop. You think there's ten in a sleeve? I haven't had graham crackers in years. They come in the three individual sleeves yeah, in the box. I'm with you there. And it's impossible to open up a sleeve and not kill that sleeve. <laughs> but I but I did the double header yesterday and got and, okay. and killed everything. Okay, no, I have not and had a graham cracker in a while. I used to love that as a kid, though. You get a nice little cold glass of milk with some graham crackers. I don't know if that's your thing, but that's what always no, what I went to when I was a kid. I think you're more going to maybe kind of, if you really want to up your game, yeah. you may get you know the peanut butter of choice and just kind of dip the graham yeah, cracker you, you in the peanut, the peanut butter. You are the peanut butter king. And so that may be it. Uh, watched a little baseball for for sure. Yeah, uh, Watched your boys complete. We'll get to them. The big one we'll against get to the, them. the, the, the flubbies who fun. are just completely <laughs> in a tailspin. I have the most unbelievable stat on this the cubs have lost nine in a row after throwing a no hitter that doesn't right? even make any sense so i don't know what that means but they have the longest streak longest losing streak yeah. now of nine of any team following a no hitter that's madness since madness. 1908 it's not the official i think the the longest is 12 yeah if they lose three more, they'll tie the major league record for longest losing streak following their own no hitter. That is nuts because we always look at things in sports and say, "Hey, maybe that's something that could get yeah. a team going, right? Get them going in the right direction in a positive way." But it's gone the opposite way for the Cubbies. And look, this is great, and we'll get into the details later of yeah. the series and all of that. But we we've been talking on this show, and we talked to J. Lou about you know what are the Cubs? What should they be? And I asked him on Friday, and he said they're going to be sellers. They should be sellers based off of what's been going on with them recently. And as a Reds fan, you love hearing that because maybe that turns the NL Central into kind of a two team mm-hmm. race with Cincinnati and Milwaukee. And I know they're getting ready to play a bunch of games here starting later into the week. But yeah, that is absolutely nuts. It was a great series th- this weekend. Obviously, if you're a Reds fan, with how they competed. With with them coming out of that Padres situation where, where you were kind of competitive, but the results uh, were not great. And I was sitting there watching that game yesterday, and I was just like, these colors are perfect for the 4th of July. These two teams mm-hmm. playing red, white, and blue, obviously, but on the that Cubs field. the Cubs were in their black hats. 
think they were navy. I oh, think were that's they, the, were they, was the that gear a mirror that they're blue because those guys Boy, were they wearing black to me. Like they were wearing like those sleeves, okay. the arm sleeves. Right. You could see like the firework stuff on it, and they All had right. some of the socks too that were navy. So it was like a real okay. dark right. navy they had going on yesterday. A Lou Graham midnight blue. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, we'll talk about baseball when we move along. Here we've got a massive boom for Ohio State and a big time return. A return from a player that uh, they had to have back. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, the boom that Ohio State fans were waiting for happened yesterday. Four o'clock, JT Tuamalau, mm. JTT as he will be affectionately known here in CBUS, the five-star defensive lineman has committed to Ohio State, did it, on, did it live on the line, CBS Sports, and he was, for all intents and purposes, the number one player in the class of 2021. And he chose Ohio State over Oregon, his home state of Washington, and USC. Now, there was a tweet that said he will play basketball for Ohio State as well. And okay. I, I remember bringing this up to you guys a few weeks ago, and it was, it was kind of squashed. Like, it did, wouldn't make sense for a guy to play both. But I wouldn't begrudge him it. Like, if he wants to, he wants to. I can't imagine Ryan Day would be thrilled but my big question to this is, do you think that he mentioned that in the recruiting? Like, um, do you think he said something to Coach Day like, hey, I, I am interested in playing hoops? I would hope that came up yeah. because uh, that's kind of a little bit of a shock there. If you're Coach Day and, hey, he, he gets to Columbus or when he commits to Ohio State and says, well, I also want to do this. And you're thinking, man, we got a, a future stud pass rusher here and we'll get him focused on that and away we go. But Can't say no. We, right. Can't say no. Right. We, you exactly. Want you don't want to close the door on that because then, <laughs> then he may not be. prefer not. Because then he may not be coming to yeah. your city. So. We know how this works. We hear a lot with these athletes in high school that they play multiple yeah. sports, and a lot of these guys are really, really good at a lot of different things. And with his spot, his size and athletic ability, I'm sure we can all close our eyes and envision him doing some type of damage there out there on the hardwood. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes and also the interest level from Coach Holtman and how interested he is to get him within his program. It will be fun to see as well. But, yeah, just another monster recruit coming on down to Columbus. But this just, to me, speaks to Larry Johnson and what he is and what he has done uh, here at Ohio State even before he got to here in Columbus. And you read so much about who he is as a guy and how important relationships are for Larry Johnson, not just the X and O stuff. Obviously, he's tremendous at getting his guys ready to go week in and week out. But you can't go to a lot of different places and read about Ohio State recruiting, especially when it comes to defensive linemen, and not hear about who Larry Johnson is as a guy. And I saw this quote floating out there from JTT saying, Coach Johnson, man, that guy is very smart. He really knows what he's doing. Talking to him in person, you just know what he's doing. You can tell he knows what he's doing. You can see it, how he's producing. It's kind of hard to put into words, but he's ki- he is the kind of guy that gets you where you need to be. So 
So you combine mm-hmm. the relationship part of it with Coach Johnson, who he is, the resume that Coach Johnson has with the unbelievable pass rushers that have come through Ohio State mainly over the last couple of years with the Boses and Chase Young and Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard. Of course you want to be a part of that. And to me, it also helps when you've got another guy like Jack Sawyer who can be kind of his running mate. And those guys, I wonder if they've had conversations to say, hey, man, look, you come on up here to Columbus, they can only double one of us. They can only double one of us. So these guys eventually, I'm sure, will be out there doing a lot of damage. And we just got to wait and see. But another monster recruit coming on down to Ohio State. Not a surprise anymore, AR. Not a surprise. No, not a surprise at all. I mean, with the conveyor belt of talent. And the there's always pressure here at Ohio State. There always yep. will be. There always should be with the amount of money coaches are making and what this program offers. But now you feel like, and and we have to wait and see if they can develop a quarterback mm-hmm. still to get to the point where you feel like you can win a national title with a C.J. Stroud or yeah. uh, a Ewers or someone yeah. behind them. Even. Right. And so, but when you start thinking about the talent that Ohio State has now in recruiting and where the Big Ten is in general, that's a done deal. Like you win the Big Ten, that's like that's like the gimme. It's now. The pressure to win a natty is going to be as big as it ever has been. Now they just played for one and didn't win, right? But we know what Bama was, so there's no shame in losing to that team. And getting over the hump on Clemson actually was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I dare I say it, it was almost like you rarely would think this way as an Ohio State fan that just getting there was good enough. But there, for some reason, last year with the way they were struggling at the end. With all the COVID, yeah. everything was going on. The yeah. dudes they didn't have, right. how they how bad they looked in the win against Northwestern inside, where you thought mm-hmm. they would just roll them, and then the fact that they righted that against Clemson and then got a shot at the big boy. But now you feel like JTT comes here. If he leaves without a national title, it's going to be. Should I put the word underachievement on it, or is it just a? a Plain disappointment. It's always tough for me to put a label on that significant of a prize because I expect them to be in that conversation. But once we curl out of the Big Ten and you've got Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia coming out of the opposing tunnel with similar talent than you have, mm-hmm. I think anything can happen, obviously, on any given night when you talk about a national championship or a semifinal in the college football playoff. But to me, AR, like, Timing is everything. And last year's team, to me, the timing was just off where you had the veteran guys on defense leaving the year before. Mm-hmm. And then we had some young guys maybe not ready for everything that they had to handle a year ago with COVID. And obviously dealing with Devontae Smith in a national championship game is a tremendous challenge. And maybe those guys just weren't ready to go. So hopefully we get a nice blend here over the next couple of years to where, hey, it may be C.J. Stroud in year two next year with the combination of a, Zach, a, a Jack Sawyer in year two. And those guys having a little bit more seasoning beyond this year, then maybe we look to next year to really have that uh, expectation level for them. I think for a lot of people, regardless, when you talk about Ohio State, the expectation is to be in the college football playoff. So when we mark that as the expectation level, I think a lot of people have the expectation of, hey, man, Ohio State should be competing for maybe not every single year in national championship. But they should be in that dance more times than not. And when you get talent like this year in and year out, yeah, man, you should be cooking that stuff up uh, a lot. Six, four and a half. What's 270, 275? Do you have any clue on what type of basketball player he is? 
in high school? I think he averaged about 18 points a game. Yeah. All right. Maybe look four, man. Where could we get him? Well, three. I got to see his handle. I, I haven't seen any basketball highlights. That's what I need to see. Is that if we're going to talk about it's this, I, I need to see some of the work. Yeah. That you got up there. What do you got in your bag, JTT? Big yeah. fellow, man. 277. Yeah. Sure, he was handing out buckets out there. I'm sure we could find some of that. But aren't you with me on that? Like, I wonder what Chris Holtman is thinking when he sees a dude like this with that athletic ability. Now, it's a different sport. No doubt it's a different sport. But these guys, man, they are cut from a different cloth. So I'm sure if he committed to this, to basketball for a nice pocket of time, then he could be something out there. I just don't know. So I, in my mind, not having seen him play, I have no idea whether... He expressed interest to all these schools that I might want to be a two-sport guy, and none of them would have said no. But this is the this is he met with Holtman, I guess, last month um, when he came in. And if you believe it, he got basketball-specific offers from Oregon and Washington. Now, he didn't have a basketball-specific offer here, yeah. I don't believe, but I would have to feel that most of them were trying to give him whatever he wanted to get him to commit football-wise. So, But if they were legit D1 offers, which it sounds like they were, and what I mean by legit is that they were offered, yeah. I, it's they could have been something to get him to, hey, whatever you want, big fella. If this dude is as good as everyone is telling us he is or is going to be, I could see some coaches kissing the ring a little bit. I could see some coaches kissing the ring a little bit, but that's some of those sleepless nights. If you are Coach Coach Day, right, and he is playing out there on the hardwood and you see him jumping and you're worried about the ankles and the knees and all that stuff obviously can happen in football. It's just another thing that you probably don't want if you're Coach Day, but also you know, hey, sometimes you got to bend a little bit when it comes to either star players Mm -hmm. on your current team or star players on the high school circuit. You got to have a little flexibility, you know what I mean, if you want these guys to suit it up for you. What do you got, CB? I was going to give you a trivia question real quick if you (laughs) wanted it. So when was the last time we had a two-sport athlete in terms of football and basketball with the Ohio State team? It's been a while. You had a couple during my early years. Um, of Ricky Dudley, tight end, John Lumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, you had one with O'Brien. Who was that? And that's the guy. Oh, great. If you can find a name. <laughs> oh, great. We had one. Hang on. OB? Uh, yeah, we did. Joined following the championship game. Uh, okay, so here's where I'm going to need a hint. Um, wasn't local. Not a lo- not an Ohio kid, right? No. Okay, I don't remember. It wasn't an Ohio kid. Um, what can you give us the position? Like the, secondary player. Secondary, specifically, corner. I think, he was, I think he was. I think he was safety. Safety. Okay, my Year. This would have been the o two o three season. Uh, okay, so it either was. He only appeared in ten games. Was, Played on who was safety? And let's think about it. Nate Sally, who was on. There was another guy. Was, um, oh <sighs> All right, I'm gonna go. We got Bill Green coming up next. You just said the name. Seriously, was Nate Sally? Yeah, it was Nate go. Sally. He worked through it. Yeah, I I was gonna. Yeah, Ricky Dudley was the guy though. Like to me, yeah, but he didn't have Sally didn't have an impact, but Dudley had an impact. Mm-hmm. He was a beast. All right, Bill Green, Buckeyescoop.com coming up next.
and he'll give you all the in, ins and outs. How good is this kid? What should we expect? Rothman and Ice in the fan. The first and the best. Your home for all things Buckeyes, Jackets, and former linebackers making inappropriate innuendo. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your holiday. We're part of it here. Talking about a massive commitment for Ohio State. They just keep rolling in. And Bill Green covers it all. For BuckeyeScoop.com, and he joins us now on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Bill, good afternoon, my friend. Happy to have you on the holiday weekend. Hey, glad to be here. JT Tuomalau, hopefully I hit that correctly. Um, he did his little uh, dance online, or live, and picks Ohio State. And from the sounds of it, he is the best in the country, and most agree. Do you? Uh, he's there. He's close. Um, you know, I, I kind of partial to Jack Sawyer and Ohio State's getting both of them. So it doesn't really matter who's, who's one or who's two. I mean, when you got them both, you let them, you let them fight it out. And in three or four years, we'll, we'll know who was one or two. What do you understand about his basketball ability? And have you heard much about, you know, maybe Chris Holtman being interested in getting him on his bench uh, here in the next couple of years, maybe? Yeah, that was part of the recruiting process for Ohio State. The pitch was that it, I think that uh, when he was here on his official visit, I believe he did meet with Chris Holtman, and they told him, you're more than welcome. We have a spot for you. Um, personally, I don't like it. I mean, I think it's hard enough to play your sport, let alone to play your sport and somebody else's sport, and I think he's going to need all that time in the winter that he's going to spend possibly playing basketball. I think we'd be better spent in the weight room, but that kid knows more about his life than I do. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I know it was discussed, and I know he is a Division One basketball recruit. He has Power Five basketball offers. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, I'm, I'm always skeptical of things like this. We see it a lot with, you know, baseball as well. And um, I think you're just better off playing your spot, especially when the future is as a multimillionaire as a football player. So, But we'll see what happens there. Uh, Larry Johnson's rep now, his, uh, it's off the charts, fantastic. And certainly Ohio State's program, where it is following Urban Meyer's departure, has not slowed down. It's only sped up. Um, what do you attribute this to? The, just the success, the scheme, um, the dudes that have come before them? Um, this has suffered zero drop-off. Any Big Ten school that was hoping there might be a little blood in the water, I know it was seamless to Ryan Day, Billy, but... Um, I mean, it, it only got stronger. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, I liked Ryan Day. Never thought it would be this good. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, the recruiting is totally off the charts right now. And, you know, if they can get a kid to take an official visit, I know I said this last time I was on, and I probably said it 100 times. If they can just get him to campus on that 48-hour official visit, they have a chance with anyone. And that Urban brought that to Ohio State. And Ryan Day and the staff, you know, Mark Pantone deserves a lot of credit. They've taken it to a different level. They do official visits as well as anyone in America. If you can just get the kids here, you can get them. And that's been proven out. 
you know, Jack Sawyer and obviously now JTT will be the highlights when it comes to the defensive linemen in the class. But they've other got they've got some other guys as well that are going to be taught by Larry Johnson and Tyleek Williams. And you got Mike Hall here as well in there. Your thoughts on the other defensive linemen that are joining these two uh, stud players? Yeah, Mike Hall was a kid I had seen as a sophomore, and I was pretty blown away by him then, even though his technique was not real good. But to see a guy that big and that quick was pretty amazing. And then he's taken it to the next level the past couple of years. He's got a chance to be, you know, I, I really don't like comparisons, but I would compare him to Davon Hamilton at the same stage of their careers. And Davon ended up a heck of a player in the NFL, and I expect the same thing out of Mike. Tyreek Williams is a little different animal than what Ohio State has had recently because he is that big, oversized bull, you know, that you put over the nose that they haven't really had that kind of player lately. So he's a space eater, take up some blockers, while other people make plays, and he just locks down the middle of that line where you're not running the ball between the guards against Tyreek Williams. So, you know, that, that group as a whole is as good as any D-line I've ever seen anyone recruit. You know, you got two five stars that are ranked maybe one and two in the country, and then those two tackles are both four star kids that anybody would love to have. Bill Green with us, BuckeyeScoop.com here on Rothman and Ice. Uh, how far are they ahead here in 2022 in the rankings? Are they number one for 2022? Yeah, they are absolutely number one, and they just got a commitment about 45 minutes ago. I didn't know if you guys saw that. The uh, wide receiver out of, out of Georgia, Kojo Antwi has committed to them. He's a top 100 kid for us at Buckeye Scoop. So that gives them four wide receivers in the class, and they're all pretty special. So, you know, the machine keeps rolling, uh, even on the holidays. <laughs> I want to head back to the uh, the 2021 <laughs> class with you real quick and ask you about Travion Henderson because I think, you know, when we talk about the offense for the upcoming year, there's a lot of excitement about the wide receivers and rightfully so. But that running back room, there may be some questions out there for some people. Master Teague's there. I think we know what he's going to do. But the other guys, we haven't seen much of or anything from some of those guys. But would you be surprised at all if we see a nice little dose of Travion Henderson here in the fall? I won't be surprised at all. I mean, he is so talented, and everything we've heard since he's arrived at Ohio State is, is about his work ethic. And, you know, people have the impression that he's like a little guy, and he's not. He's probably the same size J.K. Dobbins was as a true freshman, and J.K. played a lot. So, you know, Master Teague is back. Uh, Mayan Williams, a lot of promise there. Uh, we really haven't seen Crowley totally healthy yet, but – I don't see any way they keep Travion Henderson off the field. I think it'll be a committee-type thing, but if he gets the most carries next year and has the most yards, it will not surprise me at all. He's a game-breaker. I mean, he's the guy that takes it from here and puts it over there in about three seconds, and they really don't have that with those other guys. Other guys are really good backs, but in terms of a game-breaker, I mean, it's Travion Henderson. Good stuff with Bill Green here as we talk Ohio State recruiting. Uh, I can't remember last time we asked you about Quinn Ewers and – what you think will happen when he eventually gets to Ohio State. Um, you think he could win that job early? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks this year and how they'll develop and how they'll look, but uh, your anticipation of what happens with Quinn Ewers? Well, I mean, all we know of him is what he's done through his junior year of high school, and it's pretty darn good what we can see on film. He's been the Elite 11 this past week. By all accounts, he was tremendous there. Um we're going to see. I mean, 
I will say, as I've continued to say, don't discount Kyle McCord. Mm -hmm. Kyle McCord is a heck of a quarterback. And, you know, don't discount this kid. He can play. You know, we're going to see C.J. Stroud this fall, I believe. Um, So it's it's just like every other position at Ohio State, the way they're stacking guys right now, it's the best are going to play. If Quinn Ewers is the best player as a true freshman, he'll start. No doubt about it. But – you know, he's he's in a different type quarterback room here than maybe he would have faced if he'd have come to Ohio State four or five years ago. You know, you come in and go against C.J. Stroud and Miller and McCord. These are all guys with NFL first, second round draft pick ability. So it's a different room than when you had Tate Martell, Matthew Baldwin, you know, in that group. This, it's a different Ohio State right now. We talk so much about the positives when it comes to recruiting. Has there been any unit, any room that you look at and say, eh, maybe they could use a little bit more there when it comes to recruiting? It doesn't feel that way, but have you looked at these classes, maybe this one or in the years to come, and say, okay, they really should lock in on that specific uh, position? Well, I'm kind of an offensive line freak or weirdo guru, whatever you want to say, so I never think you have enough offensive linemen. Um, I like the group they brought in last year. Right now, 2022, they only have one committed, Tigra Tishabola from here in Ohio. So, and they're on the line for four or five guys here. So that's, that's probably the position group to watch the most going forward in this class. So I, I, would, I would key in on O-line going forward. Uh, he's all over at Ohio State Recruiting. He is Bill Green. BuckeyeScoop.com. Read all about it there. Bill, thank you, my friend. Have a great rest of the holiday weekend. We appreciate you. Anytime, guys. Same to you. Awesome. Bill was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We will come back. Maddie and I will unveil Party Like a Roth Star. Rothman and Ice on the fan. There's only one way to start your day, and that's with the soothing tones of morning juice. Soothing. Weekday mornings at 6. The fan. Let's all gather into the kiki. It's time to party like a Roth star. All right. Mm. It's only one dude that's going to lead my list. I'll have a couple, but there's really only one. Okay. Joseph Christian Chestnut. JCC. That's right. The California native, but resides in the state of Indiana. Six feet tall, 230 pounds. Mm. Although on any given week could be 160 or 290. I don't know. Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Yeah. World record 76 dogs to win Nathan's famous 4th of July contest. You know where I stand on this? Wow. I think it's an unbelievable feat. The Glizzy Gladiator Jaws himself does it again. Zero competition now that Kobayashi does not want to sign with Major League Eating because then he can't be a free agent and eat what he wants, where he wants, when he wants, yeah. how he wants. Right. But I don't like, you know where I stand on the soggy buns. Mm. If you're going to have a hot dog eating contest, either include the buns and eat them with the buns or get rid of the buns. I don't need to soak the buns so they go down easier. I like that rule, too. It's not even, get rid of them then. Just put a tray of hot dogs out there. What do we need the buns for? I agree. I agree. Eat, Eat it naturally or don't. But the intro is what makes this dude the hero to all of us that he is. What greater fortune have we in an endless... 
endless universe of infinite matter and energy, we have been given consciousness to gaze upon it all and understand. What greater fortune have we to live in America, to stand side by side on the 4th of July, to behold this man? What greater fortune? of time, forever entwined in the grip that binds our atoms together. Due to the vagaries of time. And existence has no meaning, he must just stand for his obligation. To fight at any cost for an idea, for a conviction, for freedom. For his is the blood of a nation, and his is ever onward, and to the breach. Pressing the charge, blind to all except the object of his fury. And the roar of his assault will sunder the dome of heaven to reach the ears of God himself. <laughs> the number one ranked eater in the world. The Nathan's famous champion of the world. Okay. I'm sorry, I have chills. That was a lot better than I thought it would be. You and CB were cooking this up before the show. You guys were making sure I didn't hear a single second of it, and I can't hardly hear anyway, and I promise you I didn't. Follow that. George Shea, a longtime MC. Man, oh, that was good. Yeah. And that went from, like, I thought I was listening to a scene out of The Hunger Games. Then it went to, like, somebody getting ready to step in the ring versus Mike Tyson. The music was great. The hype man was even better. That's a strong party like a raw star candidate right there. Good stuff out of you. My first guy on a Monday this week. Can I show Mike Budenholzer a little bit of love? Milwaukee Mm -hmm. Bucks head coach. He's in a lose-lose situation. If they yeah. lose and flame out, it's his fault. If they win and succeed, it's Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday's the reason why they got to this point. This guy, I think, is a solid head coach, man. I know he's had some questionable stuff. Two-time NBA Coach of the Year 2015-2019. Sat on the bench for a while and learned under Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Four-time champion there during his run as an assistant coach. And now he's got his team in the NBA Finals right now. Had to scratch and claw a little bit there in the Eastern Conference Finals without his MVP player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I got to give Mike Budenholzer a little bit of love. He gets dunked on a lot. He's persevered. He's fought through. And now he's four wins away from hosting up that Larry O'Brien trophy. So first candidate this week, Milwaukee Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer partying like a raw star. What if he does it without Giannis? Which I don't think can be done or will be done. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I, I don't believe Giannis is going to play early in the series. Probably not, right. But maybe he bought himself a little time. Yeah. But now... The same dude that you mentioned, you know, can't win for losing, actually now could be on house money. Could be great for him, man. Absolutely Uh, happy for Mike Boonholzer. I hope he either coach wins for me. I'm good. My heart is with Monty Williams. But if Boonholzer gets this thing done, I think it's a good story as well. All right. I'm doubling down. Okay. I'm doubling down. 
with Eric Badlands Booker, known as the People's Champ. He 52 years of age, 400 pounds, and went with the gallon of lemonade, mm. that cool, refreshing drink. Yeah. And the belches were loud, they were clear, and they were convicted. And Badlands got a slow start there. T. Kenny a little bit dripping out of his mouth. No dripping, Kenny. And Badlands, and this is very, very close. Now Badlands, oh, there goes a belch. Badlands taking the time for a belch. Badlands back at it, less than half to go. And the big man, oh, T. Kenny trying. Badlands Booker very good. Suffering off to the side a little bit. Oh, okay. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. That can't be real. Oh my lord. Just keep your hands and feet away from his mouth. That was real. Three belches, including a victory lap. Oh, my goodness. That's nuts. This dude has records with onions, uh, corned beef hash, burritos, matzo balls, uh, candy bars. You name it. You ask me, I'll give it to you. Two pounds of chocolate candy bars in six minutes. Four pounds of hash in a minute and 58 seconds. Dude's on fire. I love Badlands Booker. That's cray cray. Last one for me. You may have heard of him. He plays baseball for the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Where are we with this? Can you actually tease this? Because I think it's a bigger story than Rothstar. I want you to do it, but I want you to do it next. Let's do it. I mean, this is about as record breaking. You want to talk about record breaking? This one's big. We'll do it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. If you are not kind to animals, Humane Agent Rothman will kick your ass. Humanely. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Second hour here on Rothman and Ice. All parties present and accounted for. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, CB. We are presented by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. All right, Matty. Yes, sir. Give me showtime because <laughs> you were inspirational for this because I did not draft him. And you could draft him in fantasy as a pitcher or a hitter. Yeah. Uh, you had, you couldn't you didn't just draft Shohei and fantasy and get get both, mm-hmm. and I wound up picking him up in the first week as a hitter. I don't know he was more coveted, I guess, as a pitcher in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I, I, and all of a sudden now he is passing dudes like Babe Ruth. <laughs> so continue. It's laughable when I see this stuff, the highlights, and it's not even just. The number of home runs is crazy right now. 31, first in the league. 67 RBIs, third in the league. OPS, 1.070, third in the league as well. AR, it's just, these are majestic home runs. These aren't cheap shots. 
This ain't just barely getting over the wall. It's complete and utter dominance by Shohei Otani. And I, I couldn't wait to see when Mike Trout went down, would he be able to handle that type of load? And absolutely he has. Last 30 days for one Shohei Otani. 329 batting average, 16 home runs, and 27 RBIs in the last 30 days. And he's also scored 25 runs. It's madness. You and I have been on this guy for about two mm-hmm. months now, highlighting what he is doing. Adam was MVP months ago, it how feels like. He is not the MVP. There's some other guys out there with yeah. some really strong cases. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at the top of a lot of lists right now. For a lot of people, and that's absolutely fair. But for me, this is the dude because of the extra layer in his bag. And it's just, he is almost neck and neck with some of the best hitters in the league. He's at the top of a lot of these lists around the league. And look, I thought, here's honestly what I thought he could be when it comes to hitting. I thought AR, we can get you 20 home runs a year, maybe 75 RBIs. But this, before the the All-Star break, did not see this coming. To me, this guy is the runaway MVP right now, in my opinion. There's no doubt. And I'll add to what you're saying. So he's an absolute two-way superstar. We know that. He's bo- he was voted in this weekend both as a DH to the All-Star game by the fans, and he was selected by the players as a pitcher. Yep. And so it's the first time in Major League Baseball history that a player was named an All-Star as both a position player and a pitcher. Crazy. So that's crazy. Yep. 14 home runs in those last 17 games. And he's now leading the league with 31. So he's tied Hideki Matsui's record for most homers in a season by a Japanese-born player. And we're not at the All-Star game yet. And I did some math on this over the weekend while I was sitting outside with the dogs. And he is homering every nine at-bats right now. And so he extended his own major league record for the most homers in a season with at least ten games pitched. Yeah. And so when he when so now he tied and then passed Babe Ruth in that. Now Ruth's pitching days were pretty much behind him by the time the All Star game started in nineteen thirty three. He made one appearance that year. That was the final one of his career on the last day of the season. And now he pitched with regularity in the early nineteen hundreds, nineteen nineteen. But Otani passing, as you say, Mike Trout for most homers in Angels history before the All-Star break. He passed Mike Trout for the most homers in Angels history before an All-Star break. Oh, man. And he's the first player in, in American League history to have to be 30-10 and 10 in his team's first 81 games of the season. So there's not a whole lot more to say other than we deserve more about him. Yeah. And his father was a baseball player in some industrial league. And his mother was like a really good badminton player, which, by the way, is a very underrated sport. Hard, though. Very underrated. Outdoor sport, it can be played outdoors, right? And it's a fun sport. And he was born in some uh, very... uh, It's an urban place, and he, he was about three hours north of Tokyo and went to high school there. And... It's almost like we deserve, I, I really want to hear more about his story. I guess there's a uh, a tournament there that has been the birthplace of all these legends. You know, Ichiro um, came onto the scene there in the early 90s. You had some others, uh, Tanaka. And I guess uh, 
We just need to find out more, and I assume we will. Now, he's going to be in the Derby next which would, week, Which right? would be great. Which he, would be great. He is in the Derby, I think. I yeah. think you are correct yeah. on that. What I'm just hoping we get, AR, is this guy on a playoff stage. Both he and Mike Trout. Because what we're talking about here is the best player in the sport and the most polarizing by far player in the sport because of what he can do on a night in and night out basis in the box and then going out mm-hmm. to the mound. Like, we need those guys there. And I don't know if they're going to make it. Nine games back in the West, chasing the Astros and the Athletic. That's the unfortunate part of this. But if I would have told you, AR, hey, man, end of the year, end of the season, what you're going to get from Shohei Otani are his numbers right now. I think you would be very happy with that. That's what we're talking about here. Like, that is exactly what's going on. And I love the balance in his game, too, because we've seen a lot of guys, hey, man, you can bring in a righty and get him out. You can bring in a lefty and give him some real struggle. He's 261 against lefties, 286 against righties. So it's a fairly even balance there. And other guys you can look at as dramatic drop-offs with their splits as far as lefty-righty stuff goes. So there isn't a ton of wiggle room if you're the opposing team when you're going up against Shohei Otani, which is great. So if that continues to get better over his career, he's going to become even more scarier opponent when he is stepping in to the box. So, yeah, if I had to place an MVP rope right now, he is the dude, man. I'm so glad that he is doing this because he's paying off on the hype. Like a couple years ago, this was such a big-time deal when he came over, and it's taken a little bit of time. I know he's had some injury stuff there. He had some leg injuries. No doubt. The injury stuff held him back just a little bit, but to see him healthy on a nightly basis and to see what he has done here in the last kind of month, it's been spectacular, man. So I said to you earlier that, you know, pitching stardom was kind of uh, meteoric. Like, everyone kind of knew that. And then he regressed a bit at the plate. And he had these nagging leg injuries. And everyone thought, okay, well, maybe he has to pick one or the other. Because you want to be really good at one of them. Yeah. Really good. And to take another step forward as a hitter, uh, I think he had an ankle injury. Um, and so all of a sudden you're thinking, to avoid injury... On both sides. Like, we don't want your pitching to lead to injuries hitting. We don't mm-hmm. want your hitting to lead to injuries pitching. And, but he's six four, yeah. like 215, 220, <laughs> and he's fast. Yeah. Like, his, yeah. his, uh, his home to first was, uh, uh, 380. D Gordon's was 381. <laughs> and so he's got a lot of gifts, including like these movie star good looks and the fact that he's like, as big as he is. Rockstar, man. And it's right. There's a there's a kind of a almost like a comic superhero kind of feel to him. And it's amazing. And yeah. so I'm having a lot of fun watching it. And I know you are too. And it's you're right. The next the the one thing we are going to get cheated out of is watching him in a postseason. I but know. the fact we are going to get to see him in the Derby and see him in the All Star game is is really fun. It's it's an amazing deal right now. Yeah. Baseball certainly is loving having it. Man. And you talk about that home run derby and where it is this year? Colorado? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Balls are going to go 570 feet in that home run derby uh, come uh, next week when we get that thing rolling. But you mentioned his athletic ability and his size and speed. The dude's got 12 stolen bases on the year. He's right there in the middle of the pack. 
uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball, Whit Merrifield for the Royals leads everybody with 23. That dude's spectacular. But that's what we're talking about, just the complete package. And we started the show talking about JTT and his commitment to Ohio State and wanting to do both. And I think a guy like this is going to open a lot of people's eyes as far as what you can do, maybe in two-sport or within the same sport. Can you play offense and defense? Can you dip your toes into another sport and be a dominant force? A guy like this may open the door. Now, he's a rare breed with how he is built and everything that he has genetically. But to me, man, like we got to keep our eye on this and what this does around sports and do other guys feel comfortable with taking on the task of doing more than one thing, especially on the professional level. None of us, nobody listening, got to see Babe Ruth in his prime. Right. And we are seeing not the Japanese Babe Ruth. We are seeing the next and more improved and better. Like, honestly, and by the way, and I just realized this, it's his birthday today, so oh I'm glad God. we're talking about it. Yeah, show him some love, man. On his yeah. What is he, 27? 27. 27. If I set the over-under for you for home runs at, man, where do we go with it? 50 and a half? This year? Would you take the over? 50 and yeah, a half. Yeah, I would. I mean, him hitting two a game at times is nothing. I know. And I know. So, yeah. I think I would lean the over as well. Yeah. He's got 31 now? Yes. Before A week before 31 the break? 31 now. Yeah. I'd take the over. What if I put it at 55 and a half? Yeah. What number yeah, would make you uncomfortable not, when it comes to 60? Probably uh, getting to 60. 60 and a half? Yeah. I think 55 and a half. I yeah. feel comfortable with that. Absolutely. I really do. Yeah. Unless they just stop pitching to him. <laughs> Who knows, right? <laughs> right. Well, we thought that might happen when Trout went yeah. down and he still found a way yeah. to do damage. Uh, speaking of pitching yesterday, the Braves' Max Freed pinch hit because the Braves were out of hitters against the Marlins and beat him with a walk-off ribby. And it was a, a I think it was the first, let's see, I can't remember, there have been several. Can you name? So I have one. This you hate this. Yeah, uh, one, like two. This. Maybe CB jumps in. I have one, two, three, four, five guys, five pitchers since 2010 that have hit a walk off ribby. Oh, one man. of them is a red. Uh, Lorenzen. It is absolutely Michael Lorenzen, 2019. I told you you'd get it. Can I? You want to go for like the rest? No, not really. But I'll All throw right. out some pitchers I think can hit pretty well. Madison Bumgarner. He got the other one in 2019. Yes, um, there were two in 2019. Lorenzen and Bumgarner. So we've got three more. So now you, yeah, now you're really set. There are three more. Uh, I'll give you the teams: uh, Cubs, Marlins, Braves. Problem is the Braves one was in 2011, ten years ago. The Marlins was in 2014, and the Cubs was in 2016. Was Arietta the Cubs guy? Nope. Lester has to be him. So we need two more. It's Lester. Yeah. Braves and Marlins, you said? Yeah, Braves and Marlins. Mm. Think about that, and I'll tell you after the break. Mm, okay. And then also the fact that Ohio State basketball got a real, yeah. a real jolt yesterday as well, or this weekend. 
We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Hope you're enjoying the holiday. As Maddie and I try to steer you through it a little bit. Barty talked big time recruiting with JTT committing to Ohio State and what Ohio State is going to have football wise. EJ Liddell announces he is staying at Ohio State for his junior season. It's beyond huge. It takes this team from, uh, well, without Dwayne, I had kind of pushed them down to, you know, top 20. But that's with EJ. And I assume they could still. I don't know if they'll be borderline top 10 or not, Maddie. It, it seems like they'd be somewhere in the teens. Well, top 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. From 15 yeah. up, I think if I saw them there, I think, you know, I'd feel good about that. Or they should feel good about that. I think all this does now is when you have the Dwayne departure and EJ sticking around, is there's just some questions around the roster now as far as the guys that are going to have to handle more minutes. And, you know, I was checking out some of the stuff on EJ, and, and I guess – you know, the G League camp situation mm-hmm. didn't go great for him out there. And some of the information that he got back was, hey, when you have the basketball, can you do more with it? Can you put it on the hardwood a little bit? Can you expand offensively, maybe to that three-point range a little bit? It's something that you and I even talked about throughout last season. So we'll see if that can be a development for him. We know where the NBA is, where, you know, a lot of the guys on the floor Four out of the five guys are probably respectable shooters or at least guys you got to check out there on the three-point line. So I think I can't wait to see that from EJ in the upcoming year is do we get more of that? 2.8 three-point attempts last season for Ohio State. Maybe we get that closer to five for the upcoming year. Who knows? Maybe they don't want Mm -hmm. him to shoot that much, but I think it's something that he should put more on film is, hey, I can step Mm -hmm. out there and do some damage. He shot it at 33% last year, which is okay. Maybe if we get him to five attempts a game in the upcoming season and get that to 37% or something Mm -hmm. like that, then that's that's a uh, huge deal for EJ. So that was one interesting nugget that I saw AR floating out there about EJ is what he got back was they want him mm-hmm. to expand his offensive game a little bit more. You know, I liked his uh, his deep game. You're right, at 34% or whatever it was, it's not off the charts great, but he... EJ Liddell is a basketball player. Okay. Like, and and so I'm... I For the NBA, I get it. But I don't want to get caught up too much in his stats as far as what he can be at the college level because I watched him and everybody watched him play all their ranked teams this year and play really well. And he played big in big moments. And so he was their leading scorer for a, a long time before Dwayne really started to to up his game, yeah. especially in, uh, in postseason mm-hmm. play. But I really thought EJ, I mean, he comes back, he's instantly, I mean, without even, you know, snap your fingers, he's Big Ten Player of the Year candidate along with a few other dudes. and Preseason All-American. Absolutely a preseason All-American. And you have to feel like his rebounds will be higher. His free throw, you know, you don't want him to be a liability at the line. And he's not. He's about 75%. That's, that's, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For a guy like him. Yep. So um, there were times where he missed some key free throws and had some, um, you know, and the Oral Roberts game was just a, mm. 
That was just a, a tremendous disappointment on all accounts. I mean, give them some credit, too, no man. Question. They had some players. No doubt. Uh, two incredible players <laughs> right. that took Ohio State apart. Yep. They really did. There's no, there's no way around that. But even, in, even, even saying that, Ohio State had moments there where they could have rescued that game, mm-hmm. and they didn't. And if they did rescue that game, and then Kyle Young comes back, then who knows what... That, that to me, is... I'm not going to call last year a season that might have been. Yeah. I don't think it was. It could have been that big, but if they win that game and Kyle comes back, you don't know. They'd be a, they'd be a really tough out. Let's put it that way. But you know, you mentioned Liddell going through the NBA draft process. It's exactly what he should have done. And him going into that, I always expected he was going to come back. Mm-hmm. You and I were always the lean on Dwayne being the one that that would leave, and that's what happened. And so now he just has to build on his year two. That's all he needs to do. This isn't about, I don't even know if he wants to come back and make the motivation NBA, that's fine. But really just build on everything that he is becoming and validate what we already know he is. So Dwayne, or I mean, Liddell had what, would you say, 18 and 6 guy? I got to go back and look at his, or was he 16 and 7, somewhere in that area? Dwayne, and yeah, you, you had, he was 16 floor. and 9. Okay, 16 and 9. EJ, yep. All right. I think he can be better than that. I think those are the, that's the floor for net for this year. Now for him, oh yeah, I think no doubt. I could easily see him being an eighteen point a night type of guy. Another thing that came out of kind of his evaluation was defensive versatility, and to me, what that means is, hey, where the league is right now, if you want to come in here and be a dude, is can you guard force? Maybe even some threes in certain situations and be able to move laterally side to side and really be able to defend. I think that's going to be a big part of it, too, because offensively, we know what EJ Liddell is going to be bringing to the table. We just talked about maybe expanding it a little bit more to the three point line consistently. But defensively, where is he going to be? Because he can make some coin there as well. So I think one thing that is going to benefit EJ this upcoming year is Zed Key and Joey Braun. I think having those guys as true mm-hmm. fives, because to me, AR, some of those games you were watching EJ and Kyle have to mm-hmm. handle some of these bigs in the Big they Ten. Do. And then how was that weighing on them on both ends of the floor? Maybe that mm-hmm. took a little bit out of his tank on the offensive end. So now you get him away from those fives. Hey, EJ, you're just a straight yep. four. Maybe in certain slots, you're a three on these possessions. I think that can really benefit him. We saw Zed kind of developing in front of us last year. He's going to be ready to roll obviously for more minutes in the upcoming year so i think we may be getting ej back to more of his true position in the upcoming Mm -hmm. season maybe that was a little too much for him to handle last year and he still was very productive but i think he's got a chance to be even better this year because he may be even more comfortable out there i think it's a great point i think he will be leaned on pretty heavily as he should be and he's gonna have to provide everything that we talked about and in the post and but he was their best player. Mm-hmm. He's their best player, and he's going to be their best player again. And it was fine that he wanted to go and see what he could uh, see what he could get back from the NBA. But to come back and get even more skilled and work on whatever his perceived weaknesses may be can only help. And like you said, the other key players that are going to be around him that can help him will be a big deal. I agree. And the NIL stuff. He's commented on that as well, yeah. saying, "quote." 
that changes the game. It really does change the game. Saying the coaches are telling mm-hmm. me that being the mm-hmm. face of this team and one of the most publicized guys in the conference, I could make a really good profit <laughs> off that. How much, I'm not sure yet. I haven't looked into it enough. So he's aware of that. The Obviously, Coach Holtman and his staff, hey, EJ, man. I was selling it last week. No to doubt Dwayne. you were. No doubt oh. you were. And you know that was part of their conversations. Look, you can go on and sure have some success in the association overseas or whatever, but you come back here, we got a top 15 squad, you're going to be the dude that shoots a lot of shots, and you're going to be the face of the program at least for a season. So that's going to be a tremendous opportunity for him as well. So I'm sure chasing the dream and putting that on pause for a little bit is a, a probably a bitter pill to swallow, but there's some sweetness on the other side of it that's going to come with a lot of the accolades he has a chance to rack up, the team success, and also, hey, while I'm here in Columbus, my bank account ain't going to be hurting. Well, and here's the here's the kind of the interesting part for me, and I'm thrilled that he got through this. I don't know if you guys remember this, but after the Oral Roberts loss, <laughs> he got like oh, some yeah. really bad social media. Yeah. I, I don't know how many. I don't know if it was a lot or just a couple that were really incredibly crazy. harsh. Right. And he had to, you know, comment about it like, what did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. It, and you're not and I and I remember telling EJ on the air that day that you didn't you're not speaking to the people who you can change, unfortunately. You're speaking to the nameless, faceless cowards Mm -hmm. that hide behind a keyboard and decide they're so damaged that they're going to take you down with them. (laughs) And and that's fine, and I'm glad he recognized that, but the threats that he received through his Twitter Mm -hmm. were so off the chart, a lot of Buckeye Nation felt like, well, he's going to go just because he's got to yeah, go. You're pushing him out. Why? Why does he? Why does he want? Why does he even want to be in that world anymore? Right. And so the fact that he got through that and it didn't impact his decision whether to return to school or not, which everyone thought might play a factor, is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. That he was able to isolate some random damaged people yeah. and say that's not. My, that's not anything I'm going to concern myself with. Right. And it's a part of growing. It's part of maturing. It's a part of being really self-secure mm-hmm. in what you can accomplish, having a great support system around you, coach, <laughs> teammates, family, support staff, right. family, and the rest of Buckeye Nation. So the fact that he is returning, which I think we expected him to, I just wanted to throw that little no, part in. It's a good point. That, that I remember when he wrote um, about that, it bothered him so much, yeah. and you thought, well, maybe he will want to check out. And I could understand how that could bother not Absolutely. just EJ, but any type of athlete that gets those messages that are just way over the top. And like you said, it's coming uh, from nothing but a bunch of cowards hiding behind keyhor- keyboards and egg emojis on their Twitter profile. It's just absolutely nuts. There's no room for that to me. It's never that serious when we're talking about sports. So, I uh, look... It's a mental hurdle that he's gotten over, and I'm sure hopefully he can look back at a situation like that and find some positive in it as far as how to handle situations like that when it really gets to a point to where it should never get. It's very good because I even if he didn't, certainly he didn't blame the program for it, but distancing himself from the program where there's a weird feel mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the extreme outskirts of the fan base, which can be anywhere, right? Which, by the way, grew up in this. He grew up in this mm-hmm. world of social media. He will continue to have it. And how much he wants to 
Because remember, you can shut it off. No doubt. I think that's what people forget. Right. That even though EJ and all these athletes of this era grew up with this, mm-hmm. you're allowed to shut it down. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to shut it off. You don't have to go to it. But I think there's this fear of missing out and being isolated that you have to try to balance yeah. with social media. And that's good that he is coming back. So EJ Liddell, part of the fold here at Ohio State. We'll come back. Who is the number one comeback player of the year candidate in the NFL? We'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. One guy is fat. The other is fatter. And both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow. Oh. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. They're both former athletes for a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. Have you heard caught the beginning of the show? Tragic news as Blue Jackets goalie Matisse Kiblenics, uh, who signed as a free agent several years ago, and won his NHL debut at Madison Square Garden for the Jackets against the Rangers uh, last year ago, January, uh, has tragically died over the weekend. And the original report, he was in Michigan uh, celebrating um, with family and friends, I believe. Maybe not family, but friends. And the original story was that he died of a in a fireworks accident where he then hit his hit his head in a fall there was a police report out of michigan and this is why i said very in the beginning of the show this is not what we know this is what we're reading that they were there were some fireworks there were people in a hot tub and either one of the mortar Something either got tilted or aimed in the wrong direction. There was a scramble or a malfunction, a scramble to get out of the hot tub. And the police report said he slipped and fell and hit his head. Um, ABC6 here in town, Tom Bosco uh, tweeted out that the coroner in Michigan is now reporting that Kivlenix was hit in the chest with a firework mortar. And obviously, the, the death is considered accidental, but the initial police report was that he hit his head on the concrete while scrambling away, which he may have also after being struck. Um, that's just the latest. It's absolutely devastating and tragic. But now the cause of death is chest trauma and not a head injury, according to the Michigan coroner after the autopsy. Okay. So. Just wanted to keep everyone up to date on on the story, not that the details matter because it's as tragic as anything. Right. And the fact that yep. um, a young, talented kid at 24 is gone. So our, our hearts bleed for Matisse Kavlenik's family and his friends. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, you brought this to my attention, and CB did as well. Who did the NFL Player of the Year candidates? So what we've got here is maybe some bounce back. Some bounce back guys. Uh, that you know we're looking at that could have mm-hmm. tremendous impact, whether mm-hmm. it was due to injury, they had a down mm-hmm. year the year before, whatever the case may be. Got a nice little uh, package here, guys. Here and coming in at number one is wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, one Odell Beckham Jr. And AR, I don't know if I can disagree because really, well, that he'll win comeback player. No, of the year? I'm saying as far oh. as impact of a bounce back guy, comeback player of mm-hmm. the year. I'd have to look yeah. at the odds for that, but I'm saying as far as like 
impactful mm-hmm. guys from last season that could not only have tremendous statistical years, but also his. you combine his numbers with team success, and that could mm-hmm. really be some really good stuff. Like I'm looking at a guy like that. Like Saquon, obviously, him coming back, his numbers are probably going to be great if he is healthy. But we know what the Browns do well, and that's coming to your building and run it through your face mask. But now if they get this guy back, who at one point in time was the best wide receiver in the league, according to a lot of people, it's obviously a big-time boost. So I, I agree with him probably being or have, being the candidate with the most potential uh, hmm. as far as bounce-back stuff goes and that the weight of his return. I agree. It's Odell. All right, I'll disagree with you. I, I, first of all, he's... He seems to be comeback player of the year candidate more often than you'd want him to be. Oh, yeah. That's that's number one. That that hurts CB there, but that's all right. And but I'm not. But I'm going to agree with you on the fact of the impact he can make. He should be on the list. He's not number one. Who's number one? Who you got? Do you Deco- think Dakota? Yeah. There's no way it's not Dak Prescott. Like yeah. that dude. Forget it. He controls everything. I mean, first of all, from the injury that he had. And then gets the $160 million deal on his hospital bed and and comes back and has like the top receiving trio in the NFL. Ooh, and he's got a two time NFL rush. Did I just CB, make a write topic? that down? There's for tomorrow. We'll put that. We'll do that tomorrow. Did I just I accidentally like that. make a topic? I, no, I like that a lot. Right. Write that down for tomorrow. Um, he's got a two time NFL rushing champ in Zeke Elliott. He's got a great offensive line. And yeah. there's no question my money would be on him. I'm shocked. That you didn't go with a guy you've been touting to us for weeks. Who you got? Saquon. I brought him up. I, I did bring but him you think up. Odell See, I is think number one. We're talking. Over. We're talking two different things here. You're talking comeback player of the year. I'm just yeah. talking specific impact for their team and bouncing you back. Think like he has more impact than Dak Prescott. I don't. I can't get there, especially after watching. What do we watch? Danucci and Mr. Dalton and those dudes last year. Like, no, I can't. I, I have to come over to your side right. of this thing. I think it's Dak. The, the position is too important. It's just, I don't even know if I put important. Odell in the top three. He's got to be in the top three. With the Browns and where McCaffrey they are. McCaffrey missed 13 games last year. But I don't think year. we're expecting the Panthers to be in the playoff AFC championship or in their well, no, case, I'm NFC championship who's going to conversation. win comeback player of the year. That's I guess we're on maybe we're having two different conversations. Yeah, if you want to sl- if you want to transition this into comeback player of the year, you're not the odds. On Give me the odds. It's got to be I'm... McCaffrey, Saquon, yeah. Dak, the guys that we've talked yeah. about, and Odell. Wentz. And See, that's a guy that uh, I would look at though. Is Wentz, Wentz. Uh, because the narrative? He's on the list, but down. See, here's why I like Wentz. It's because he's got the narrative part that matters. It was so bad mm-hmm. last year. Nobody wanted him in Philly anymore. His teammates making oh, shrines for Foles. I think if the Colts win the AFC South, if they're in the playoffs and he's got strong numbers, I kind of like Carson Wentz even more than Saquon and McCaffrey. Not more than Dak, because Dak's got the narrative as well. He's got the injury stuff, where we all saw him being carted off and tears in his eyes and all of that. So I think I would put Dak and Carson above the two running backs and even Odell, if I was ranking my top five there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's really how you define comeback player of the year, because the amount of games mixed, missed, the injury is the perception of it. I yeah. agree with that. And because Odell, a torn ACL, compared to what Dak Prescott went through, if Dak Prescott has a has a very good year this year and Dallas makes the playoffs, he's winning it. If somehow McCaffrey has an MVP type year, an all-world type year, 
because he would win comeback player of the year because he missed 13 games like that defines comeback yeah. player. Nick Bosa, I think, would be in that. Would be in there. He'd have depending. to have a monster he, year. He is which a is tougher in defending guy. I mean, he's the only defen- only guy on defense I've mentioned. Right. And so I think there could be. He'll be my defensive guy certainly for comeback player of the year if he has the year he has. But I'm not putting Odell Beckham ahead of Dak or Saquon or Christian McCaffrey. But to he's, me, he's there. To me, those three are kind of in the yeah. same tier. Like. The position mm-hmm. players. The quarterbacks are a leg up. They always are in the awards. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. I'm going to put Wentz over Dak. Because I think it's been so bad for Carson. I'm talking about just his perception. He's not Alex Smith. He doesn't win it just by stepping no, on no, the field. I, I, don't, I agree with that. He's got a ball out. <laughs> he better, but I, I he think better than Dak. Through the eyes of everyone oh. in the NFL world, Dak, has, he's still been a monster. Like Before he went down, the numbers were ridiculous. Wins, his name is just, it's been drugged through the mud. It, and ha- I think, it has, but I don't think that's how you win comeback player of the year. You're right, he's I've, on the list. I think narrative matters to me. It matters when we talk about awards like this, and I think yeah. he's got a little bit better of a comeback player of the year vibe to me than Dak, okay. even though we're splitting hairs. They'd be at the top of my list. And there. it didn't jump out to me. Like when you, I, I know not once you said his name. Yeah, I thought okay, yeah, he could. He's on the he's he's up there. He's nominated because he has to be. <laughs> but I don't see him as a viable candidate. But you're right over those guys. If there wasn't a quarterback on my list, I think I would think of Wentz's chances better. If you're saying if Dak, I would wasn't, say if Dak wasn't injured and he wasn't a NFL comeback player or candidate, and it was just the running backs and a receiver. And Carson, then I'd be like, okay, you know, he's got a shot. He's a quarterback. I'm going to go Wentz. I'm going to go Wentz, Dak, <laughs> and then whatever order we want to put Saquon, McCaffrey, and Odell, I'm good with I'll that. put them in that order. The order you just Saquon, said. Saquon, Christian, and yeah. Christian and Odell. Okay. But I'm not putting Wentz ahead of those guys. I'm really? putting Dak number one, and then Wentz will be on the back end really? after Odell. With playing quarterback. Just, I, I, I got to disagree with that. I think he's. I think you that, trust his ability more than I do. No, I'm not saying I believe in Carson Wentz. I'm just saying I think the cases that they have for comeback player of the year, I would lean more towards Wentz than I would with McCaffrey and Barkley because he's just been getting dunked on for about two years now by the media and everybody. Sometimes for very good reason. Also fair. Also fair. But I'm going to lean with Wentz. Carson Wentz is uh, comeback player of the year, if narrative-wise. Buckeye Bolton up next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. The fan. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bolton. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. And the recruiting conveyor belt keeps on churning for Ohio State. And Brian Hartline bags another. Ohio State receiving target, I'm guessing now, Kojo Antwi. Antwi is how I've heard it today. Right. And so this is official now. He's class of 2022. Yep. And so he committed earlier today on the holiday. And this is amazing. I just keep asking, like, how many receivers can they have? Like, it's unbelievable, right? 
I mean, they certainly had a couple transfers, right? Yeah, Mookie and Jameson Williams, right? Going down yeah. to Bama and uh, Missouri, I believe, for Mookie. So it was a little bit of room. A yeah. little bit of room. Yeah. But playing time? Squeeze him in there. It's always the question. Well, he doesn't have to play right away. No, he doesn't. He absolutely does it. But when he gets here, what does it look like? Maybe he has a decent feel mm-hmm. of who may be gone. You know, obviously Olave won't be here. Garrett Wilson will probably be mm-hmm. suited up on Sundays by then and all that good stuff. So who knows down the road what this will look like, but I think it goes to the guy that you mentioned off the top there, and Brian Hartline does it again. He does it again out there on the trail, and this is the this is the expectation now if you're an Ohio <laughs> State assistant coach over there is to be able to not only be in the conversation with these guys, but also to obviously get them here. And, all, and another part of this is you pull him out of Georgia. You take him away from Kirby Smart, his home state, and you get him to come up to Columbus, mm-hmm. and why not? with what Ohio State has been able to produce here recently uh, at the wide receiver position. And it doesn't hurt when you've got Quinn Ewers in the class as well because the way that that guy is being talked about as a potential number one overall pick as far as the talent goes right now, we got a long ways to go, I get that, but there's a lot of people that are very excited about him. These young wide receivers, there's only a couple spots where these elite, elite quarterbacks are. If you want, When you have that and the national attention as well, and obviously Ohio State is one of them. So his talent combined with what Hartline can do with him and Mickey Mirati can do with him and a star-studded quarterback in the class as well, I'm sure helped. Interesting that there was no real interest from him to Georgia. The dogs. Yeah, but from what I've read, like it was Ohio State all the way. Four-star kid, uh, tall, six feet. Uh, not crazy tall, but tall enough. And so he can be outside or in the slot, mm-hmm. you know, whatever fit. Uh, they want with their groupings. And, you know, he's a young kid. He's got top-end speed, they say. So he's got, you know, top-end vertical, which is nice. Love it. And we'll find out what kind of football player he can really be when he gets here and gets developed. He he was in he, – he did run track there. I don't know how – if he had all-world speed or not. It didn't sound like he was all-world, but uh, there isn't a lot of track data on him as a uh, – He's a sophomore in high school. Take that for data? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's back right. in the league. And uh, that's all. So, four-star kid out of Georgia coming yep. to Ohio State. Okay, good for him. Good for him. And AR, saw a quick little yep. uh, NBA nugget for you. Mike Conley, free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. Those Utah Jazz, they're saying, hey, we want to bring him back. The injury stuff at the end of the year couldn't have been worse timing for him, him not being fully ready to go at the most important part of the season. But he's always been a Grizzly, been out there in Utah for a couple mm-hmm. of years, 33, 34 years yeah. old and I think that's the only question that you have is how healthy is he going to be cuz he can come in the hammy right was it I think a, it was the hammy yeah, yeah. I think it was always about the hammy but as far as him being a consistent uh, point guard veteran point guard if he's dude, out he's, there and healthy man you right. know where you're getting so we got to monitor what type of money he gets and what a uh, winning situation he goes to football teams need a quarterback basketball teams need a point there you guard go. It, it's there's no other way to think about it and the jazz need one more than others mm-hmm. And so he's got to be there. And so now they're going to have to go to luxury tax. It's going to cost him. How much do you want to win? Yeah. How much do you want to win? They got to pay that luck, pay that tax. Your boy Rudy, Donovan Mitchell, they got a nice little core guy. Jordan Clarkson, former Cavalier, winning six man of the year. So you take Conley out of that. Who are you replacing him with? So he's got some leverage, no doubt. Yeah, he's he's as important to them Mm -hmm. as a lot of people. It keeps them in that mix. And he takes some pressure off Mitchell. 100%. 100%. 
All right, we'll come back, top of the hour. We'll give you a Sports Center update. We'll do a deep dive. Reggie Bush wants his hardware back. Does he deserve it? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U Drive. All right, back at it. Third hour, Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hay, CB. All team players today. And we will hit you with a deep dive here in moments. Uh, also wanted to update some baseball from yesterday. And that the Reds sweep the Cubbies. And you were down in that game. Speaking of pitching, Kyle Hendricks actually had an RBI in that game. I think he's batting like 80. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that. Uh, that wasn't boy, fun. Barnhart with a a nightmare fly ball to the base of the wall. Uh, Winkler hit India with the bases juiced right in the middle of the back. And then I didn't get to see the replay on this, but the Cubs could have gotten out of that inning. Baez did not go to first to get Winker for the double play to end the inning. Now, I, I, I'm going to assume he didn't think he could get him. Uh, did you ever see the replay on that? Was that a bad decision by Baez? I'm with you on that. I think it was just a bad call by him uh, on Baez. Yeah. That's the only thing I can chalk it up to. But it was great to see what went down at GABP. They needed this momentum, man. It's so big. And I think the biggest part of everything that's gone on with them as far as their current success is the bullpen. It's been awful all year long. All year long, we have highlighted how much of a letdown those guys have been coming out of the door. And now, these guys have completely turned it around. And that's without TJ Antone and Lucas Sims, two of their best relievers uh, at the early portion of the season here. But over the last 10 games, they're cooking up a 1.1 ERA. Everybody as a whole coming out of that door has done a heck of a job. So to see that is great. I don't think I'm two feet in as far as this is who the bullpen really is. But when you take Antone and Lucas Sims out of the equation and you're getting this right now, you can't ask for much more than that. And I like the way they won some of these games, right? It wasn't them completely dominating inning in and inning out. They had to scratch and claw and find different ways to get it done. And the bullpen got handed the ball and they did their job. Friday night's game was ridiculous, <laughs> right? I mean, for them to get to Melanson, wasn't that Friday night? Or am I mixing up my nights? My, it's all blending together they, they now. They got to him, and then you wound up winning in extras. Right? I mean, it was, it was Here are amazing. the scores of the game. 3-2, three, 3-2, two, three, two, two, yeah. Not a lot of offense going on, which is surprising yeah. when you think about the Reds and them being at home, and especially with the Cubs coming in to town. So, I mean, coming out of that Padre series where they took two or three from you, you won the last one, so you kind of felt good getting out of that one. But I couldn't wait to see how they responded, man. And it was absolutely tremendous. And now they get the Royals. But outside of that AR, they get seven in a row with Milwaukee, which Mm. is absolutely huge 
when you look at how the standings are right now, because we don't know what the Cubs are going to do. Are they going to be sellers? J. Lou thinks they have to be sellers. You can't let some of their free agents just walk for nothing at the end of the year. So this may turn into a two-team race here, not only for Cincinnati, but for Cleveland as well. And I know there's some question marks about what they've got going on right now, but the Reds are in second place, but they're seven games back. So they have a chance now to get through this Royal Series, don't Mm -hmm. look past them, and then really, really start duking it out with Milwaukee and try to chip away at this lead. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Bush wants his Heisman back. And this is one of those stories that I think happens now that we have the NIL coming in. Reggie's story is a little more... It's just a little more convoluted to me than a dude that took some benefits or signed some memorabilia, right? It it was a little bit more of, you know, if you believe it, and who knows who's really telling the truth, because Lloyd Lake, who was in that marketing firm, that new era marketing firm that wanted Reggie. Remember, this all started with trying to get give Reggie whatever he wanted and his family whatever he wanted, so eventually that he would sign with them. And when Reggie signed his deal with the Saints for 60 mil or whatever it was and then didn't sign with them, well, you know what happened. They went after him. Hmm. And and Lake was, you know, became a convicted drug dealer, and so his, you know, there was a lot of stuff where you could accuse him. Well, how 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 much can we really trust what he's what Lloyd Lake is saying? Is he is he telling the truth or not? Who knows? I'm not here to tell you to relive that and know whether you know. As the story goes, he got a lot of money. His parents got a home in San Diego, and they were setting them up. And he made roughly they thought, and back then maybe it was a quarter million dollars in total value. Mm-hmm. And so you know what happened they they swooped in and you know the disassociation with USC and he gets stripped of the Heisman and wins go away and all that. And now he's back. And now that name image and likeness is here, Reggie is taking a swing for his Heisman back. Like well, wait a minute, this is legal now. You can make money off your name. And if I played in this era, basically this would be fine. I don't know if I have the energy to fight this, and I don't think it's even a fight for me. I just, there's part of me that thinks that just because kids can do it now doesn't right every wrong. And so, do I want to keep him from having his Heisman trophy that he sent back, which I guess he didn't really have to? I mean, they could have gone and pried it out of his hands. I would love to see and that. And, like, you want it back? <laughs> yeah, come get it. Come get it. Come get it, right. big dog. Like, so. I don't really know where to, to go with this story other than the fact that I think there's there's two extremes. One, if, if you don't want him to have it back, suddenly you're, you know, I don't even know what the word is. Like, you're either envious or you don't want him to have it back. You just want to be that way and dig in. And if you do want him to have him back, it's almost like, well, doesn't matter. I mean, what are rules? They don't, they don't matter. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, if he did it today, it wouldn't be wrong. So the Heisman Trophy Trust... Put it on the NCAA. Of course they did. And they basically said, well, if you, (laughs) what did they say? If you reinstate or what did they say? If you pretty much, it pretty much was the, 
I saw this earlier and I, God, I wish I could give them credit. When you like ask your mom, can you spend mm-hmm. the night somewhere? And she says, go ask your dad. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're just handing it off to Mark Emmert and company. That's exactly what's going on here. And like the way I'm viewing this man is he obviously broke a rule. I think we can all agree on that. But where I do agree with Reggie is the tweet that he put out about not cheating the game as far as on the field stuff goes. And we all saw it go down in 2005 and even the year before where he was solid as well. But that Heisman year, I can't ever take that away from Reggie Bush. Nobody was taking that away. No, I'm saying as far as this wasn't, hey, this guy was taking steroids and that's why he was Mm -hmm. running away from everybody. Mm -hmm. Then I'd be like, okay, no way. This isn't even a conversation. Like, no way. But the fact Mm -hmm. that he didn't, like he's saying, cheat the game and he grinded and worked for all that stuff. That's why I don't have a big issue yeah. with this. I have no issue at all with him getting his Heisman Trophy back because this isn't like a baseball story to where Mark mm-hmm. McGuire's asking for something back. We're like, dude, no, like, bro, that ain't happening. We know that you cheated in the mm-hmm. worst way possible. So if this does go down, and I think for Mark Emmert's sake and the NCAA's sake, they probably should mm-hmm. do this. You don't want to say, hey, we've got the NLI stuff going, but we're not going to get Reggie Bush as high as him back. To me, that doesn't make much sense. So I'm hoping that this gets done and we can completely put this thing to bed because the dude was unreal. It was a freak show that year. We know he there, was the best player in college football. No denying that part of it. And I'm not trying to put everything of his family's sins onto him. I mean, I guarantee he took money. Like there's no question in my mind that he was that it was given to him. I don't know how much, but if he got cash and his family got that home in San Diego and they lived rent free there for more than a year and they were provided with 10 grand to furnish it, then they were trying to woo the family and him and their hands were out at the time and they knew it was wrong at the time. And they knew it was against the rules at the time. And how it affected him, I mean, he's like you said, he still played in the games. He still went on to have an NFL career. He still made mountains of money. Mm-hmm. But now look what happens. How old is Reggie Bush now? Oh, he can't be more yeah. than 35. So Reggie Bush is coming back now. And this is what, I get, here's the big lesson. I don't care if he gets his Heisman back. That's fine. He's 36 years old. Okay. And I think what's happening now, and this is what everyone who... Who, that's why guys of my age and other age, they feel like you'd go back to college just to go back. You wouldn't need name, image, and likeness. Or like You miss those things. Like The things become more important to you as you get older yeah. and less superficial in a way. And look what's happening now. Reggie Bush is now seeking an opportunity here because they're softening the rules on name, image, and likeness. There won't be any. And if there was name, image, and likeness when he was in school, he would have made probably 10 times the money he made while he was at USC breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he's just saying, because I, I think what I'd like to hear Reggie say, and I don't know if he has said this, and I think this would be important to him, and I think the NCAA might take this into consideration, that back then I was a college kid. Um, I was young. I was immature. Um, fame was important to me. I was a, a great athlete with a big future ahead of me. And I knew I was doing wrong because it was against the rules. I may have justified it in my mind because of what I was providing my school. Or he could just say, I was being offered it and I took it. I'm human. 
And But now that I'm 36, I found that the most important thing to me when all said and done will be that Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. and that I earned it on the field like you said. Um, I got stuff that I wasn't allowed to get, but now that I'm at this age, I really want this back. It, it's going to mean to my legacy, to my family, to me. I'll admit I made a mistake, but it's not like a kid who is going... Because remember, now, with name, image, and likeness, it's not like you're going to to teach other kids the lessons. Now, there may be other things he can teach, because I don't really know what's out of bounds and what's not anymore, or what's going to be uh, with hidden envelopes and what have you. But yeah, I think that he almost needs to say that now that I'm at this age and I'm going to be approaching 40 soon, that was the most important thing to me. And yeah, I gambled with it by taking that money. But now that years later, we realize that I didn't do it, like you said, didn't do anything wrong on the field, didn't cheat my way to the Heisman, that that the NCAA would say that will reinstate his 05 status, which is what the Heisman Trust wants them to do. Um, I don't think there's a, a true wrong answer in this. I just think it's how how harsh do you want to keep this away from him? How harshly does that matter to you? It doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. but there is something about there has to be something from him, a little allocution, a little bit of of something. Let me give to get, and I feel like there could be a win win there. I don't know if I need to hear much from him. I don't. I'm just good with everybody just wiping the slate clean. Just wipe it clean, give it to him, and, and let's move on. Like the explanation, I don't know if I necessarily need that because I don't know if it's all on him. Because you mentioned his family and how yeah. influential they were in those type of decisions where you're 17, 18 years old and hey, you're looking around and your uncle and your mom are saying, hey, this is a great opportunity. You're probably going to do everything in your power to take care of them because everybody's situation mm-hmm. is different. So some people view that money as big time money when before you become Reggie mm-hmm. Bush and you really make a name for yourself and obviously go on to the NFL. What I think is fascinating is if they allow this do they honor what Chris Weber and Jalen Rose want and for their banners to be back up in the Chrysler Center for their 90s stuff going on where we found out that there were some money issues and everything and all those records and everything got pushed to the back because of that. Do you put their banners back up for the Fab Five? That's why I'm kind of at the point now where I don't think this has to happen. Now, it is a trophy. It's a famous trophy. He won it, gave it back. Because of all the things that we talked about with it, he and his family receiving the, the benefits that violated the rules back then. Um, I'm not into the, well, if one day this is legal and it wasn't before, all the wrongs of the past are righted. We're getting into a heavy gambling time now, this yeah. era. It's only going to get more. And what if one day, years from now, and we're not even doing the show, Major League Baseball decides that, you know, and everyone's doing it, players can bet. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna hold this off anymore. And then that's what okay, Pete Rose, you're back. You're reinstated, you're back in the Hall of Fame because now like does it make the stuff of the past just disappear? Like I just think we're so quick to just wipe everything away because I don't think it makes it go away, but I think for a guy like Pete Rose, who is such a dominant player, having him around the sport 
with something like that, I would be okay with. I would in acknowledging who he is and what he meant and not like you're saying, just vacuuming everything out of there. It's still there, but I think there should be some acknowledgement for tremendous kind of things that you reach in your career. As long as you aren't cutting corners in the sport, I can give you a little bit of an easier pass to me when it comes to, okay, let's start to shine light again on some of those things. I mean, no one, I mean, everyone admired Pete Rose. He's one of the greatest, most competitive athletes that's ever played. And, but there was a control of certain things that he had as a manager that you mm-hmm. feel like, well, when he didn't bet, did that mean he was less confident in, in his own team? Or did he make some moves when he did bet? Or did he orchestrate games to set up for games where he did bet? Uh, where all he, fair questions. Where he you know, orchestrated the pitching rotation because that was the game he was going to bet. All fair. And so we don't know. And so there was a cardinal sin there for him that he's had to live with. And he finally admitted it. Remember, he, remember he fought it for a long time. Fought it for a long time. Um, how dare you ask me those questions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But... Um, eventually, as a sports fan, you just kind of lose energy, right? You lose energy. You have, like, fatigue of, of fighting it. But there's part of me, his career was elite, Reggie Bush. There's no question. And he was the first and only one to, to give up the award. And now he wants it back, and it's there's going to be a little fight. To me, there's a difference between the three stories we talked about and the steroid stuff. I agree. I can't acknowledge, ever acknowledge Sosa McGuire and what they did. That's completely two different things to me. I'm okay with these parties getting some type of recognition now. Truth next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. So much soccer, your head will explode. Inside the crew, Tuesday night at 8. Proud to be your flagship home for crew soccer. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Don't Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, take it away. All right, so i got a question about some mid-round quarterbacks that I want you to decipher between. Would you rather this year have Tom Brady or Justin Herbert? I'm going to roll with the kid. Now, I will say this. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of these dudes for the upcoming year with the weapons that they both have around them. But I think as far as who may have the more explosive arm and all that stuff right now, I have to lean towards Herbert. But I'm viewing both of these guys. They are in a fairly similar slot when we're talking production for the next year. Both of these guys last year averaged 289 yards passing per game. So they both obviously have the ability to move the ball around the field. And I think you can talk yourself into any group of weapons for either team and feel really good about it. I'm just going to hop on the bandwagon right now. That just got started. Give me the kid. I'm rolling with Herbert. Boy, it's, it's, it is as close as you say it is. I think Herbert is a 30 and 10 guy. Again. Yeah. He's got a new <laughs> yeah. OC though, right? What's that? He's got a new OC. New doesn't OC, he? new that, faces. That, that could be a little bit intriguing for me with everything that Brady has coming back. Right. What's going to be my... And it's not like I'm getting any real rushing yards out of Herbert. Right. Not getting those, so I can, I'm can. i a tiebreaker there. Um, I think they're so close, man. Yeah. Like, would Antonio boy. Brown come into your mind at all? Like, that third weapon. Because yeah. we both got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, but they've got Godwin Evans and Antonio yeah. Brown. Yeah. I mean, I'll get a sneak out of Brady, and I just quickly looked up Herbert's rushing yards. 234 rushing yards um, over the season. Okay. 
he had one game where he had 66 like against that. the Jags. Do like that. And he did get into the end zone with his feet mm. five times. Yeah, come on over. You're so talking yourself into maybe, it. Come on. It's a tiny tiebreaker. I mean, there were games where he had no rushing yards, negative 2, 10, 11, 9, 8. Like, it's not like it's off the charts. Right. Um, but he's a fourth. He's a 4K guy. Both are, obviously. 4K plus. And Keenan, Mike Williams, the dump-offs to Eckler. Mm-hmm. Where this OC Joe Lombardo did that with Breeze and 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 Kamara and back in the day and Sproles and uh, when does Tommy roll with the kid? Yeah, man. let's go with Herbert. If we're if, first of all, if we're waiting on quarterback, then I'd rather take the kid. But there'll be a lot of expectations where you know what you're getting with Brady, and but I'll gamble a little bit and go with Herbert. And that, my boy, is the damn truth. All right, so yep. E.J. Liddell is going to return this year, and we would assume that he'd be the leading scorer for the Buckeyes coming up. But I want to ask you, who would be second in line as a second leading scorer? I'm torn between two guys. Me too. Can I, I wonder if they're the same. I wonder if they're the same two guys. They, one of them, well, I think we're going to be locked in together. Justice? Yes. Justice suing, I think, will definitely be in the <laughs> I'm conversation. I'm a senior and a freshman. I think we have the same two guys. I think it's Malachi. Yeah. Because of yep. what just happened with Dwayne. Yeah. He can shoot. He's got athletic. the opportunities. He's got the opportunity. So I'm getting an upperclassman. I'm getting a kind of a how tall is Suing? Six five? Six five? Yeah. A six five combo. Pretty athletic and versatile. Can go away at times. We need him to be a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. And then you have this athletic shooting freshman who's gonna get minutes. So we've got to decide between those two. I'm gonna play a little more. I play the gamble game here. Now that give me the vet. Give me the vet. I, I got to go him. with justice. 10 a game. 10 and 12 There's a game. more shots to be yeah. had. I'm going to roll with justice now. He's game before he transferred over here. Is this total points or average per game? Let's go average per average game. Average per game. I'm rolling with justice. Give me the lefty. Yeah, I got I got I can't just say freshman automatically. So we'll go with suing. The truth. Okay, so the mayor of Tampa Bay said that they would rather the Lightning lose game four so they could return home <laughs> and play and win the cup in front of the home fans. Do you support her standing? Like, if you were a fan of the Lightning, would you want that? I understand where she's coming from, but there's no way I'd want the team to mess around with that. Because the way I would think as a fan is, okay, they got one, they get another. Like, I just don't want to go down that road, win the cup, get it over with. It would be fun to celebrate on your home ice. No question about it. But if this were my team, I just want them to get it done. So at 3-0, you feel like you can get a little greedy. There's no way that she jinxed the team. That's not gonna, They're not going to lose the series. <laughs> they're too good. They're, they do everything too well. Them boys good. But I'm absolutely with you because I went through this maybe seven, eight years ago with the Hawks when they were playing Boston. And they clinched at Boston. And the, my brother and I were saying, boy, wouldn't it have been great if they did it in Chicago? And I'm like, no, no, don't play that game. I totally agree with you. I don't, the parade will be fine. Yep. Yes, you're right. Ideally, you'd want it in your home building. Ideally. But wouldn't you rather have, quote, a sweep? Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's where the missing point is here. Yes, you'd rather have it at home if you could hand pick it. But you also have the chance to sweep yeah. them to win the cup. Yep. So, absolutely, I'm not behind that idea. And the truth shall set you free! 
And it's like, hey, you can do what the Suns just did. Meet them at the airport. Have a good time. Set up a little tunnel for them to drive through. Jay Crowder's drinking people's beer. Sure, why not? All that stuff's in play. So let's do that. Meet them at the Tampa airport, whatever airport they'll be at. Set up the mini parade and then get to the big boy. So she's calling for a tank in game four. Is that what you're saying? Essentially. Yeah. I'm gonna check the odds on that. Oh my goodness! I mean, Maybe the Canadians it, are still an underdog. I mean, they're an under, they'll be an underdog in every game. Um, I don't even know. You know, what I should get you guys. I know we got Murph coming up here in a second. Uh, the series price on soft earned dollars. Like, how much of Maddie's soft earned dollars would it take for you to bet Montreal to come back and win the series? I'm not betting anything. Of course, on that. you're not. Not a. But what penny. kind of return would it take for you to say, you know what, I throw. Man, you'd have to. Get, we we got to start at ten G's on a hundred bucks. Yeah, they're down three zero. Yeah, I can't give you anywhere close to that. Can I get five? And neither can Vegas. No, can I get two? Vegas is giving you seventeen to one. Okay, it's not yeah, enough. It's not. They're down three no. zero to one of the best <laughs> it's not. teams it's not ever. Enough. Like they feel like that strong. All right, we'll come back with Pat Murphy of Bucknuts. We'll talk about both decisions. EJ Liddell coming back, JTT in the fold. A lot of Buckeye stuff next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year, given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, no need to look it up. It's real. The fan. The hardest working show in the business, or at least at this station in their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Ohio State feeling very good about the talent they keep pulling home. Ohio State beat writer for Bucknuts 24-7. He is our friend Patrick Murphy. He's on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Pat, good to have you back. Yeah, good to be on. Thanks for having Thanks. me. All right, so let's dive into this JTT commitment, this five-star defensive lineman. Uh, out of the West Coast, uh, how close was this with Oregon and Washington? Was Oregon the, the second uh, closest in his in his mind? Do you believe? Yeah, that's my understanding. Um, obviously, you know the four teams he took visits to: Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, and USC. But yeah, I think it came down mostly to to Ohio State and Oregon. Um, you know, two two of the big schools, two top schools in their conferences, obviously. Um, Ohio State, obviously, the success that they not only had as a team on the field these last few years under Ryan Day, but uh, the way they produced defensive linemen, I think, ultimately won out. Uh, you know, I mean, we can go through the list of guys that have uh, been produced by Larry Johnson in these last several years, and I think that ultimately was was a major deciding factor. But Oregon made it closer than I think a lot of people realized. You know, obviously, Alabama was in the mix at one point. He did not take a visit there, so that kind of eliminated Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. But, yeah, Ohio State and Oregon, Ohio State won out on this one. You mentioned the guy I wanted to ask you about, and that's Larry Johnson. Because, you know, I think for a lot of people, you get so excited about the player and the potential of what he will be. And for me, a lot of times my mind goes to the coaches, man, the grind that these guys go through. But you hear so much positive about Larry Johnson. Maybe just talk about you know, Larry Johnson, from your perspective, being around this program and what you've seen from him. It's been great to to kind of watch him uh, these last several years, I guess he's been here. And now, um, you know, work with defensive linemen. He's such a different guy than a lot of coaches. He doesn't swear. He doesn't really yell at guys. It's, it's almost like the I've heard people describe it as like that feeling when you disappoint a grandpa or disappoint a parent. You know, it's I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And, and guys don't want to let him down. And obviously his track record speaks for himself, not just here 
at Ohio State, but at Penn State and, and throughout his whole career, really, um, and, and what he's been able to do, the, the way he works with defensive linemen. You know, I remember a few years ago, they had the coaches clinic over at the Woody and sitting there listening to him talk to these high school coaches and explain why he does certain drills different than maybe some other guys do. And, and the coaches really were, you know, kind of mesmerized with his teaching and things like that. So you can see why defensive linemen do so well under him because of the time he takes, uh, the relationship he builds with these guys and, and how hard, um, you know, then they want to go out and work for him. And, and obviously he recruits well. I mean, you know, look at, you know, this is just another example. Um, but that goes back to the relationships and how he, he works with people and whatnot. And, you know, he's one of the best in the business for a reason. I know this is important to dudes. Uh, Jack Sawyer wears number 33. From the looks of it, JTT wears 33 in high school. Is that a problem? <laughs> it, it could be. I, I saw it pointed out somewhere that I guess there was a picture of Jack Sawyer in, in Ohio State, you know, workout clothes, and he was wearing number 40, which is what he wore in high school. Obviously, that number is, I think, technically retired. I'm not sure how they, they handle these these retired numbers anymore. Guys seem to be able to wear them as long as they ask. So it could be that, that Sawyer's switching to 40 because of this. It could be that Sawyer's switching to 40 because he wore it in high school. It could be that he was just wearing a different warm-up jersey that day. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. I'm sure they'll be able to figure it out. Two top defensive ends. You know, maybe they arm wrestle for the jersey or something like that. <laughs> Let's stay there on the defensive side of the ball. Talk about this year's uh, team upcoming at us, man. This defense, you know, obviously they're trying to get off the mat. We know what happened last year in that national championship game. Your confidence level, though, that we're going to get a much better looking defense and maybe even if you want to lock in on the secondary uh, if you want, man, because I know that's where a lot of people's eyeballs are going to go, but just the unit as a whole, how are you feeling about it? I feel pretty good. Um, obviously, I want to see it, you know, in the flesh, see it working. Um, with this spring being the way it was, we didn't see as much as we have in past springs, so it's still tough to judge. And, and obviously, the spring game is pretty much, you know, this this scrimmage that's geared more towards offense and scoring touchdowns and whatnot. So we didn't get to see a ton. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to when Oregon comes to town, that game, even, even the first game, um, you know, seeing how the, the secondary has improved, but you know, the linebacker play, those were four linebackers that, that departed the program last year. They've got to have at least three guys step in at those starting spots. Uh, you know, do they use some of that bullet hybrid position we've heard so much about a little bit more? Um, and I also think that you need more pressure up front. It was good, not great last year on the defensive line, um, and I think that needs to improve. But I think because of having a full off season, being able to work on everything, they'll have a regular preseason. We all hope, um, you know, I think that will will help, um, especially bringing in some of the young guys that didn't get a lot of reps, you know, heading into last season, a, a seven banks and guys like that who now have experience and, and have had a full off season under their belts. Pat Murphy with us from Bucknuts.com here on Rothman and Ice. He's on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Switch to hoops real fast. EJ Liddell comes back. Big announcement for Ohio State and Chris Holtman. Uh, what didn't he find out or what do you feel like? You know, he went into the to the NBA and the camp and and did he not perform as well as he had hoped, or did he feel like there were just he found things that, that were exploited that he needs to work on? Was it the team coming back? Like what do you think went into this decision? Well, I think a lot of these guys go into, you know, declaring for the draft now that you're able to come back after you go through the process with an open mind on, on, you know, being able to come back. So I think even with EJ, you know, if he'd heard that he, you know, was a, was a high grade or, or did better than, than maybe even he expected, maybe he stays. But I think 
he was always kind of leaning to just let's test the waters. Let's get the feedback, things I need to work on, kind of what Caleb Weston did a few years ago. Um, and I think he, they were always leaning towards he would be back with the program. Um, in terms of his performance, it, it wasn't great. He was at the NBA G League elite camp in Chicago a few weeks ago. In two games there, only scored five points, uh, just just didn't play like the EJ Liddell we know, um, which, you know, I, I think was probably just a rough weekend, um, which is unfortunate for him, but fortunate for the Buckeyes, because obviously, as you said, he's, he's a big piece to this team. Um, if they had lost him and Dwayne Washington this offseason, I think instead of talking about this team as a you know contender to win the Big Ten and, and be a top seed in the NCAA tournament again, we're maybe changing the expectations. So having him coming back is huge. Um, it'll give the Buckeyes a lot of experience. The scoring, you know, the, the physicality on defense, those type of things that they would, they're going to need as they get into the Big Ten season, you know, as we, as we moved into that, that time of year. Which guy do you believe is going to be ready to step up and soak up the points Dwayne left behind? We know what he was doing night in and night out. You mentioned what EJ is going to be doing, and I think we all can imagine him being a leading scorer for this team. But the second guy, uh, have you locked in on him yet? That is a good question, um, and I think that's something that we're going to need to figure out with this team pretty early on, because you know, as much as Dwayne Washington was sometimes a bit of a roller coaster, uh, you know, he still was was a very good scorer for them, uh, made some big shots throughout his Ohio State career. So you mentioned EJ Liddell; I think he certainly has to up his game. Um, you know, I know he wants to work on sort of that outside game that, that guys tend to develop, but. You know, does a, a Malachi Branham, the freshman shooting guard, incoming freshman, you know, can he be a guy who steps into a bigger role? Um, you know, how does a guy like Eugene Brown, who was brought in last year to, to help with, you know, the, the scoring but didn't play a ton, you know, can he take the next step, uh, Zed Key in the post? So I think it's going to be much more of a committee approach. Um, you know, Dwayne Washington emerged as a leading scorer last year, but, but other guys you know, are able to put the ball in the basket. So, you know, after EJ Liddell, I think you need to find that second score, but I think it could be different guys on different nights. Good stuff, Pat. Thanks for jumping on, man. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You got it. Pat Murphy, Bucknuts.com on the Brian Heating Coin Systems Fan Guest Hotline. When we come back, NFL two-minute drill, a Bengal mm. running with the law. Can't be, right, Matty? Mm. We'll let you know next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Insightful, respected, drunk. One of those things properly describes Bishop and Laurinaitis. Listen and decide for yourself. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill, Maddie. A Bengals rookie... Pass rusher Darius Hodge. He was Marshall, right? He played at Marshall. I'll have to double check that. That sounds right from there. Yeah. From the rookie class. And he was yeah, I think that arrested, but it was from an incident from a couple years ago. There's a report out of Carolina that Hodge was arrested July 4th in North Carolina. And faces charges arising from allegedly hitting a, a man repeatedly in 2019. Mm. He he wasn't uh, he was undrafted, right? Since he that's why yeah. I, I think he was an undrafted yeah. guy there because I remember looking at like those last couple picks yeah. and it's ringing a bell. I think you got okay. the school right now. He definitely was undrafted. Okay, I think off the top of my head, that's correct. Yeah. So 
the good news for him from an, from a football standpoint is because this happened before he started his NFL career, there's really nothing from the personal conduct policy for this alleged assault. Okay. I have no idea what's going to come of it. Nobody does, but it's weird that this is uh, a couple years. So maybe ago. if there's more that comes from this, Raj steps in. I, I don't know, but it is strange when you put the date on it. Uh, this is a couple years ago. That, from 2019. Now, now we're getting more information on it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, for his sake, things can get cleared up and he can just focus on football. But obviously right now, it's a little something going on. Packers win total is back on the board with an over-under of nine. Doesn't seem like that much. It's a weird number because if Rodgers is back, you'd probably bet the over. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you would. No doubt. Are we playing 17 games this year? (laughs) They're going to go 10 and 7 with Rodgers? You would think? They've won 13 the last two years in a row. Only nine. They went. What do they know that we don't? What does that number mean? It has to mean something. Nine for the Packers? That, that to me, is the number without Rodgers. That's not the number with Rodgers. Yeah. But it's up there, so... Yeah, it is. They want... If they can get money on both sides, then they'll take it. Like, if you're one of the, hey, I doubt he's going to play for the Packers, I might as well bet the under. Yeah. Or if he's definitely going to play, I'll bet the over. So, they're, they're scheduled. I'm taking the over probably now at this point, even though... Boy, I don't... You want to do the schedule game? No, not, okay. no, we can do that tomorrow. I just we feel like... But anyway... I feel like I still want to dig in on the what is bringing him back. Now, the opt-out, I think, came and went. I do. There's a little something going on with paperwork as far as that officially like has to be done by tomorrow. But, yeah, like I don't think we're going to get that. But nine wins for the Green Bay Packers. They get the Saints in week one, brother. On the road. We don't know what they're doing. They're not answering the phone, the Packers, supposedly. Like, they're not accepting any trade offers right now, which is smart of them because if the narrative's still out there that they want Rodgers, then they can't answer the phone. But I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I'm over it, kind of, at this point. Aaron, too much Just the whole situation. I'm just kind of over it. It's just very vague at this point. We're not getting a ton from him. Let's get to a decision. Like, either we're going or we're not. You're trading them or we're not. The deadline was Friday. It was Friday. Okay. He didn't opt out. Um, So now it's either, now he can, you know, play for the Packers, get traded, or hold out. We'll see in a few weeks. You think he's showing up to training camp? I don't. I don't think he's showing up to training camp. Why? Because that's the question. It's the ultimate question. We talk so much about the situation, and it all boils down to one thing. What's going to change his mind? And I can't imagine they ax anybody in the front office. I can't imagine that that's going to happen. So if that doesn't happen, and that's who he's got his beef with, then I think this is just going to be the current situation. Unless he's trying to somehow negotiate, I'll play this year, and then um, then you're trading me. I don't know. I just... I have no idea. There's no trade market right now because they haven't opened up the trade market for him. But when they do, you would think. (laughs) That that phone line is going to be wild if they do. That's good stuff. Anything else in the NFL today? What did I see? Oh, I did see that Lawrence signed his deal. T-Law? Yeah, he signed his deal. What did he get? Uh, Four-year, 37 mil. It's Mm. 24 mil signing bonus. Mm. So it's, you know, like all the first-rounders, they'll get a fifth-year option. And they announced the signing today. Passed his physical. 
and he'll get that signing bonus within two weeks. Now, he's the interesting <laughs> fantasy quarterback to me, AR, because because of the offense that he's in. Now, Urban Knight, he may not be running the same offense that he did in college. I have to imagine there's going to be parts of that. But is he going to put Trevor Lawrence in harm's way with the RPOs? And, hey, on third and one, this is, hey, Braxton's getting the rock, or now is it Trevor Lawrence? I don't think that's going to be the case. But that's in urban. Like, he knows, hey, I can have success, or at least I had success doing that. Because I think he's going to be able to throw the ball around. So fantasy-wise, I think he's going to offer you something. But if Urban starts to really put Trevor Lawrence into running situations, that's interesting. I think he absolutely will. Yeah. You can't take that dude's wheels away from him. I know. Him. It's there. Now, you don't want to put him in harm's way. But right. Urban is urban. <laughs> right. He knows how he, Bud Kilmer, go fetch me a championship. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's... Because this isn't, like, Urban's mentality, like, his windows have changed. This isn't, hey, I've got a guy for two to four years or whatever. This is, we need Trevor Lawrence to be around, hopefully, in 2031. Would you take Trevor Lawrence in fantasy over your boy, your newfound comeback player of the year, Carson Wentz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. You would. you take I Lawrence. Would. Yeah, I'd take Lawrence. Okay. I would. would you take Lawrence over Baker? Yeah. I, I don't know if Baker's sexy in the fantasy world. You know? Yeah, I know. I just... In the fantasy world. Baker's so going to be... Look at how pre- he did that down the backstretch. Yeah. I know, but how much of that is going to be the case? The same way we're talking about you Urban take, and how he's wired. Stefanski wants to run that Take thing. Lawrence or Fields? I got to go with T-Law. Absolutely. I don't know what Justin just Fields is going to We don't know how long he's going to be on the bench, right? Yeah. I think Trevor's going to be pretty good fantasy-wise, man. That's why he's not taking his wheels away. There's no way. No, he's too gifted. Yeah, until dual threat. Shaka Khan yeah. starts calling him, say, enough. Enough. Well, unless Shaka Khan sees him getting in the end zone about five, six times this year. He ain't going to be mad at that, right? That is today's mm. NFL two-minute drill. Mm, drill. All right, man. Yeah. Made it to a finish line on a holiday weekend. <laughs> Three of us manned up, made it happen. We'll come back tomorrow. Officially start the work week. Rothman and Ice on the fan.